27 minutes away from 2 o'clock. Time to talk about the state of our state. And today, well, if you need proof that we are the festival state, keep listening. This Thursday, the 2019 Asia Festival kicks off. 18 days of performances. There's music, there's workshops, there's food, parade, drinks, film and much, much more. All with a tinge of Asia, of course. And uh, joining us in the studio to tell us all about it is Artistic Director Joseph Mitchell. Hello there, Joseph. Hi, Alan. How are you? Good. Good to see you. This is your fifth Oz Asia Festival, so um, no pressure. <laughs> no, no pressure. The, the good thing is, though, it's continued to grow and grow every year, isn't it? Yes, it has. Yes. So, look, over the last two or three years, we've we've been pretty consistent with around 200,000 attendances, yeah. uh, which we're very happy with. But the growth has come more in the diversification of the ticketed uh, uh, program. So this year, I think we have around 60 major events across theatre, dance, music, visual arts, film and literature as well. 60. How do you decide on what 60 make it? Uh, must well, be a hell of a challenge. My, my hair goes grey. <laughs> That's part of the process. Well, at least you've still got your hair, yeah. unlike me, but go on. <laughs> Well, maybe if, if I'm here for the 10-year anniversary, you and I could be on the yeah. same page. Uh, but uh, uh, So that's a little bit of the process. But otherwise, uh, really, it's about just getting out and about, looking at some of the best work around the world, uh, thinking about the audiences here in Adelaide and previous programs and, and making some of those decisions. But it all really, in summary, sits in the framework of, of being one of Australia's major contemporary arts festivals mm. and the only festival in Australia uh, that's looking towards Asia as the starting point for the curation. Mm. And that has really resonated. Did that does it surprise you that it resonates so well in a town like Adelaide? Oh, it does actually. I know Adelaide's got that reputation for always being the first cab yeah. off the rank. So you know, this is this is one of our many legacy stories, and I think one of the most important ones because you know when I got here five years ago, I knew that this was a leader nationally, um, but I wasn't ready to say it then. It took me about mm. two years of research to be confident to say actually, there's no festival like this in the world. You know, so even when you go up to Asia and look at places like Singapore or Hong Kong, a lot of the festivals are still kind of leaning heavily on that idea of the European repertoire and meshing that in, you know, with a lot of, say, national programming themselves. But this is the only festival in the world that's operating at such a large international scale uh, that's primarily focused on contemporary art from across Asia. So, internationally... Uh, we are well known for this festival? Very well known and um, particularly from an industry point of view. Mm. So for the example this year we've got uh, programmers coming in from the UK, from Germany, from Singapore, from Malaysia, from Hong Kong, from Taiwan and they're all coming here because they know that this is the place to come anywhere in the world mm. to mm. see the best contemporary arts from Asia. You can go to other festivals and say see, see say two or three or sometimes maybe five works but not 60. Not 60. Uh, mm. And I think that's a great reflection of Adelaide and Australia and our view of where we are in the 21st century and the multicultural audiences uh, and the interest of existing audiences in terms of what this festival actually is. Well, for it to continue to be a success and in your fifth year, what, you, you, you've got to bring something different to the audience every year. So tell us about uh, this year's event. Yeah, so I always try and balance that idea of our overarching vision, which is to be uh, a cutting-edge contemporary festival looking at Asia as the starting point, and that stays consistent every year. Uh, but then, as I like to say me and um, a couple of other hundred festival nerds always want to see something um, very different from year to year. Yeah, yeah. And this year I thought, look, uh, we finish in November and that's really the end of two decades of this century. And so I thought as we kind of, just before we tick over into 2020, I thought that's a great 
opportunity to think about the curation for this year's festival. And, and I thought we've had two generations of really prolific uh, artists who either come from or have been inspired by Asia in the 21st century. So a lot of that first wave are big names now, like Nitin Sawney or Akram mm. Khan or Lee Ming Wei. Uh, and they really kick-started this all 20 years ago. And they're still super hot right now. Uh, but then they inspired a new generation of artists who over the last five or six years have really kind of come to the fore at the same time. So this year's festival is a really good opportunity to see some of these legacy artists who really kicked kicked off, um, kind of moving away from this idea that work is multicultural uh, and just saying, you know, look, I'm... You know, my heritage is from Bangladesh, but I'm just mm. one of the best choreographers in the world. Yeah. Full stop. That's mm. it. And mm. uh, and then that it was doesn't such... matter where I'm from. Yeah, exactly. Mm. And and so this year we're looking at two generations of artists who have done that. So you kind of had those legacy artists that I mentioned, and then you've got this young generation of artists like one of my favourites, Miss Revolutionary Idol Berserker, which is a team of thirty people from Japan who basically spend an hour throwing seaweed and tofu and water at you uh, and saying, "This is our view of contemporary performance, and we do what we want because we're from the underground of Japan." and, uh, and <laughs> And, um, and, you know, we, we don't have to follow the rules or, or do what anyone else tells us. This is our version of performance. <laughs> or we have another show from uh, from Korea called Cuckoo, which is an extremely quirky performance work that involves three talking rice cookers on stage. So the, the three actors are actually rice cookers that have been hacked and programmed oh, uh, okay. to yeah. give a monologue about yeah. um, um, the pressure cooker society of Korea. <laughs> 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 and, uh, and, and you know, these artists are, are really uh, like their, their first generation, are, are cutting new ground. I mean, who would have thought... Uh, that they would have the opportunity to see uh, a performance by three rice cookers talking to you on stage while they're cooking rice yes. about the pressure cooker society of... In Korea. Adelaide. In Adelaide, <laughs> of all places. Yes. <laughs> yes right. um, lots of free events, as always, uh, which is a really important part of it. The Moon Lantern Festival, uh, the, Moon Lantern, the Moon Lantern Parade, for example, but there's others, aren't there? Yes. Uh, look, the Lucky Dumpling Market is yeah. super popular. Yeah. I think last year we do a security count and there were 75,000 people came through and the organisers actually counted how many dumplings were consumed I can't yeah, remember, I can't remember but, but it was, it was a yeah. lot yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I made a really good contribution to that uh, myself going down there <laughs> every night but uh, uh, the Moonland Parade is fantastic because it's one day you know about I think around about 35 40,000 people flood into it but the Lucky Dumpling Market what's special about that is it's on every day mm. it's free and yes there's food and we all love food uh, but there's so many other things about it there's free music every night on the weekends there's workshops uh, so you can really bring the family down at 12 o'clock have lunch and then mm. you can go and do some belly dancing <laughs> workshops or uh, learn to play a kind of quirky indonesian instrument or something like that uh, there's lots of lanterns around so you can have a look there's pop-up performances and parades so it's really you know the, the food brings people in but the idea that we always have behind it is we want people to stay and have some interesting experiences alongside the river torrents at the same time mm, absolutely uh and that's what we're giving away today for uh, our listeners favorite uh, aussie slang phrase a hundred dollar voucher um uh a voucher for the um is it hundred or two hundred no, it's a $100 voucher for the Lucky Dumpling Market. So oh, there great. you go. Excellent. Yeah, we're, we're partners. Um, is the fact that uh, the Festival Centre 
forecourt and so forth is still a construction site. Is that going to have a kick-on effect for you guys this year? Look, we've, we've had that uh, construction going on for mm. two years now. I, my first festival in 2015, we actually used the plaza for our Lucky Dumpling site, and it was amazing. Right. In fact, mm. that was our biggest year because mm. we ended up moving 123,000 people through that first year. And with, with that plaza being removed, we've never been able to get back to that mm. number because we've relocated down to the riverbank, uh, which I think the site capacity has been reduced from what was 5,000 up on the, on the plaza to about two, two and a half thousand uh, right. alongside the river. Yeah. Uh, so I can't wait <laughs> for the, uh, for the redevelopment to finish. Uh, but it hasn't impacted us too much because one, naturally we've had to have a slightly smaller capacity for mm. the Lucky Dumpling market. Uh, and it's actually visually much more pretty because it's alongside the river. Uh, but, uh, the, the benefit of the plaza really is, um, that it's immediately off North Terrace. So you get off the tram and yeah. you're mm. on site, you're at the mm. casino, you're on the site, you know. And mm. so I, I think that, for our festival, but for many, many other festivals in the calendar year, when that plaza comes back on, um, it'll be you know just the hub for Adelaide. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I've said to many a time, Joseph, uh, ever since I came to Adelaide, we have turned our back on one of our biggest assets, which of course is the river and the and, and the lake. Well, we've finally figured out that uh, you know. That is a plus. Yes, that's right. So we're we're recognising it. Uh, Well, um, the Oz Asia Festival kicks off on the 17th, runs through until the 3rd of November. Have a look at uh, the website, ozasiafestival, all one word, .com.au, and you'll be blown away by 60 wonderful, wonderful uh, acts on there and uh, get your tickets uh, on there as well. Also, to help us maintain our reputation as the festival state, the Marshall Government has come up with the Arts and Culture Plan 2019 to 2024. And the person driving the plan is uh, Jennifer uh, Lather, who's the Director of Arts South Australia. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Alan. Good to see you. Um, what are the main elements of the uh, the Arts and Culture Plan? Um, there's a number of elements, but there are, there are six goals in the plan, and it is about bringing the arts and culture to enrich the lives of all South Australians and, I guess, highlighting the, the prominence of that. It's about empowering South Australia's makers and creators, mm-hmm. and there's a strong focus on championing... Uh, a, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander culture within the plan. So I think the consultants who did develop the plan recognised the many signature strengths and of the arts and cultural sector in South Australia and they they have played to those strengths so that we can amplify what we do across the whole of the sector, whether it be through our major festivals such as the Ausasia Festival or our, you know, small to medium organisations right through to our independent practising artists. Mm, mm. Yeah. What's, uh, you, you're in charge of uh, sort of enacting this plan. What's first on your list? I guess I'm working with the, with the steering committee through Department of Premier and Cabinet, yeah. so working with other directors and an executive director within the department. We are currently looking through the 45 recommendations that um, were either accepted or... Um, uh, responded to by the by the government, so we're prioritising those responses now. There's already a number of co- uh, conversations happening. One of the one of the focuses through the plan is on the whole sense of of collaboration and partnerships. So there's a lot of enthusiasm out there already from our funded organisations and statutory authorities 
to identify how they can be involved in the plan. So already there are things kicking off um, and we are, we are maintaining a record of those 45 recommendations on the Department of the Premier and Cabinet website and we'll be updating that as we make progress against each of those recommendations in a, in a timed um, frame over the next the next couple of years mm, to mm. to deliver all of them but we've we've got some that we're ready to go we're just signing off on all the briefings around that and there'll be an updated report on that website within the next couple of weeks I is there an opportunity will there be more of an opportunity for private enterprise to get involved and and drive this or will it be the other way around no look i think we it is very much around partnerships and engagement with stakeholders mm. whether they be part of the funded sector or part of the private sector and we would very much welcome those those partnerships. Now, if anyone wants to particularly engage with the government on any of those recommendations, they can email us at artsplan at sa.gov.au and we're keeping a, a register of all of those expressions of interest from public, private, independent, you know, organisations, big and small, to ensure that we follow up with those as the, as the uh, each of the recommendations is responded to. But as those ideas grow and develop, and I think that's one of the exciting things about the plan is that it's not prescriptive into how it will be delivered. It's very uh, open-ended and right. it can go as far as, you know, people want it to in terms of the, the response. And um, the the more partners on board, the better, because the the resources increase and the ideas increase. That So, the yeah, collaboration, I think, underpins the whole delivery of the plan. All right, we'll uh, continue the conversation about uh, where we're headed as far as uh, being the, uh, the festival capital of uh, Australia after the break. Uh, and we'll find out what the great organisation at Car Clue is doing for our younger generations. That's coming up. Support 15 South Australian charities with a ticket in the Telethon SA Rivergum Home and Land Lottery. This year, the winning Rivergum Home is located within an exclusive new development, Seasons Mount Barker. Plus, it's fully furnished by Taste Furniture. Yes, win a home in the hills for just $10. It's an enviable location in Whittaker Terrace overlooking a lush nature reserve. Tickets at telethon.com.au and participating charities. So come on, South Aussies, make your hearts sing. Licence number M13717. Hi, ladies. Heather from Joyrene Fashions. Looking for garments that fit correctly and different to the mass-produced? Come see us. We deal with small manufacturers with good quality garments at reasonable prices, as well as years of experience designing their styles and choosing fabrics. Our store is full of these wonderful spring and summer garments, so come in and view the new season selection in sizes 10 to 24. Joyring Fashions for mothers and daughters, 491 Portrush Road, Glenunga. Hey, Leith Forrest here. You know, I absolutely love the all-new seven-seat Acadia from Peter Kittle Holden. I have the room to fit seven adults easily, but the best bit, it feels like I'm driving a luxury car. Plus, it comes with a five-year unlimited kilometre warranty and seven-year scheduled servicing. No way I hear you say... 
way. Peter Kittle Holden, 271 Commercial Road, Port Adelaide. It's car buying made easy. LMVD 263 At IGA, you'll find low prices every day on the things you need. Like Mars Chocolate Pouches, 250 to 345 gram, $5. And Arnott's Multipacks, 12 to 15 pack selected varieties, also $5. Low prices every day at IGA. Participating stores only. See website for details. If you're in a window, and not just anything will do. Just go Statesman Window. Nobody beats Statesman Windows, not on quality and certainly not on service. Windows, sliding doors, bifolds and more. Made right here in Adelaide. Factory direct to you. For windows when and where you want them, call Statesman Windows. States.com.au Windows when and where you want them. Windows when and where you want them. The Adelaide Tools Spring Catalogue is out now. And you know what's inside, right? Everything. Incredible Adelaide Tools bargains from Milwaukee, Makita, Still and more. From combo kits to welding gear, from garden trimmers to high-pressure cleaners. If you're a mechanic, a plumber, a chippy, sparky, gardener, steel fabricator, handyman or handywoman, big job, small job, any job, get into Adelaide Tools now and get it done. Adelaide Tools, Myland, St Mary's, Paraka, Gawler and Lonsdale. Do you know we do it three days a week at Barrow Hotels? We know it's your favourite, so we do our best to please three days a week. We have $15 schnitzel day Mondays, Tuesdays and Wednesdays. That's three times a week you can enjoy great schnitzels for just $15 at the Albion, Birkenhead Tavern, Lighthouse Wharf or the Excelsior Hotel. Yep, $15 schnitzel three times a week. You just know it's a Barrow Hotel. G'day, Rowie here. I was telling some friends about Charmin Shelving, how they do more than shelving. Now, they're building me the Rowie. It's a workbench slash storage combo for my new Beechwood home, and it's a ripper. Charmin workbenches and storage solutions are in thousands of homes across SA. They build and employ locally, round the corner in Windsor Gardens, actually. Now, my friends were so impressed. Charmin's now building them the Macca and the Gazza and the Bianca. Charmin, more than shelving. Charminshelving.com.au Open up your switchboard. Poor smoke coming out. What do you do? Ignore it and go for a drive in the country and visit some wineries? Yeah, nah. Protect your family and get your safety switch checked now. Call Sharp Services, 131750. There within the hour. Cancer never rests. And for that reason, neither do we. Right now, our SunSmart program is helping protect and educate a generation of little Aussies. Our 131120 nurses are giving one-on-one phone support to people affected by cancer. And the funds you raise help our world-class researchers unlock more answers. And tomorrow, with your help, we'll start again. Cancer Council. Every minute, every hour, every day. In Adelaide and across South Australia, this is Alan Hickey. Scraped your caravan? Walker Crash Caravan Repairs. Easy insurance repairs, fast. Nine minutes away from two o'clock, uh, a bit of uh, disturbing news here. Uh, SA Health has just issued an alert uh, after a, uh, a 12-year-old boy has been admitted to the Adelaide Hospital uh, with a case of meningococcal disease, so uh, we'll keep you up to date with that as more details come out. We're in the middle of a conversation about our reputation as the festival state and what's happening with the arts in uh, South Australia over coming years. And, of course, we also need to be really aware and... Um, make sure that we're in good hands in the decades to come. And that's where organisations like Car Clue come in. It's a, its role is to discover, nurture and promote 
got uh, kids and teens interest in the arts and they do a wonderful job. Car Clue Chief Executive Trisha Walton is uh, with me in the studio. You won the coveted uh, Ruby Award, which says a lot. You better explain what the Ruby Award is for those who are unaware. Okay, well, Ruby Awards are a, a, an opportunity every year for the industry to celebrate uh, the best of the best. And we, we're always very proud to be nominated or to be shortlisted, and we're very proud of our, our peers who get to that point as well. And then, mm. of course, winning it is a, is a success. There are a number of categories, and um, the one that we won last year was for a project called Naranjeri Yannan. We have uh, Carclu's mission is to embed creativity in schools, communities, yeah. and early careers. So, um, Naranjeri Yannan crossed over those three areas pretty well. It was in partnership with Catholic Education SA, who provided the funds to develop it. Eighteen month proje- pilot project in a school, uh, St Joseph's in in um, Murray Bridge, mm-hmm. a regional community, mm-hmm. and the focus was developing the. Um, professional practice of teaching uh, Aboriginal artists to become teaching artists, to give them the confidence and the skills to be able to work in an education setting, but also to bring that community and that school closer to their local Aboriginal heritage. So the Naranjeri uh, area and language and art forms were explored over that period of time in that school. Um, fabulous outcomes. Mm-hmm. Um, kids mm-hmm. got language as well as cultural understanding. And because Aboriginal arts is part of the national curriculum, Um, Not all primary school teachers are are, are confident or or well-informed or are comfortable exploring that area. And also there's, uh, um, you know, areas of sensitivity around uh, cultural appropriation and and crossover. So um, that project was a... a bit of a benchmark, really, about how to do that with authenticity and sensitivity... Yeah. Will that now help it to, to be to be rolled out ac- across the the education system in broader terms? Well, one would um, like to think it's going to happen. Well, we yes. Yeah, so, so we've um, yeah. worked out how you know all the mechanisms of making it work well. It was that was a pilot, a trial project, and mm. we now have the Catholic Education SA coming back to us and engaging us for the next couple of years. Oh, good. To and yeah. and funding a program through Catholic schools, which the primary schools, which is great, and we're in process the process of having conversations with the Department for Education who are also really interested in in making sure those authentic learning moments are happening at a local level in different schools, both regionally and particularly regionally, but also outer metro schools. Mm. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really important on two fronts, isn't it? Culturally, but also artistically, but culturally is, is uh, a, a, a huge area that uh, relates to the arts yeah, day by yeah, day. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, it, if you're a teacher and you're not confident um, in... I mean, they have art, five art forms to address and they're meant to be able to do that with very little training, undergraduate training in any of them, really. Mm. And then uh, uh, Aboriginal arts goes across those. So if that's not an area that you're confident in, what do you do? Mm. Um, and, you know, it's really easy to um, rely on the internet and, and get worksheets or yeah. and I'm not saying that people choose to go down that path deliberately but it's um this is actually about um really uh authentic engagement that is relevant to that local community and um the value of it is by training up those local artists to be able to engage with their school and their their learning environment um 
they have a relationship that they can call on, you know, for many years to come. Absolutely. Yeah, no, great initiative. What other projects have you got underway currently? Oh, so many. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, There's a lot in education, of course, because that's... um, We've got a really strong relationship with the education uh, department, but... um, we focus on teaching in the arts, but also through the arts. So we use, for example, um, creative... Uh, we've got a project that has been running for a number of years called Creative Body-Based Learning, CBL, terrible name, but it's stuck. Um, and through that engagement, we take drama-based instruction or body-based learning into the classroom to teach maths. And with some amazing outcomes, kids who hate maths, didn't want to go to school... Yeah. Teachers who hate maths, don't want to teach it, mm. have changed their attitude towards towards maths learning. Um, but we also have a couple of examples of in community is a project called Kakli Futures, which is um, a group of 10 teens we've brought together. We've given, given them $10,000. We Part of Kakli is about, almost a, about a third of the money that we get from our government grant we put out the door again through funding programs and we gave ten thousand dollars to a group of teens who devised their own funding criteria used their uh, identified and researched um the sorts of things art making that they'd like to see funded identified um and debated their own values around what's important to them and um they've distributed that ten thousand dollars to two recipients um that's called Carkley futures it's actually putting the decision making back into the hands of the the, young people Mm. um and we don't think that's happening anywhere else in the world Mm. it's partnered with the um commissioner for children and young people and she said to me where else is this happening so it's um once again like um, the Osata Festival, it's a bit of a first, mm, really. Yeah, absolutely. Is the, the level of enthusiasm on the rise among young people or is it still just a core group that that's, that's my area and, you know... Oh, I don't know. It's never it's a, it's gone a hard away. One, isn't it? you it's know, a hard one. It, I, I, don't, I think that young people have always um, turned to the arts to express themselves or... To, um, what's happening now is it's uh, they're more connected uh, uh, um, uh, a digital world that we live in has meant that young people have got more uh, greater access to support yeah. and information they're more um, able to be more self-directed and more um, vociferous really in a way that's quite different to what it was 10 20 30 years this ago. is a final question i'll put to all all three of you um one of the concerns i have is the the enormous amount of effort we're putting in on pushing stem personally i think it should be steam I think yeah. we should put uh, the, the arts back into the STEM. Does that concern you, though, coming from the arts side of it, that uh, well, you know, we're being overlooked? I, I think I just agree with your perspective. And, you know, I've been watching a little bit about all the you know, American primaries and elections, etc. and all of uh, the, the highly successful business entrepreneurs, you know, across the states and coming out of Silicon Valley are just saying that arts is the future. Mm. It's innovation and thinking uh, that leads the way. And uh, I just can't comprehend why it wouldn't be steam mm. Mm. It's, it's interesting um we, that's why we um run programs that are invest um in teaching in the arts but also through the arts because the a 
the arts in STEAM it doesn't actually have to be announced because without the arts in science, technology, engineering and um, maths, you're not going to get the best creative solutions mm. and creative thinkers. Mm. So I don't really care whether they're ace there or not. It's just got to be across the whole STEM. Mm. Yeah. All right. Thank you very much. Uh, good luck uh, with uh, the tasks ahead. Um, I think we're in good hands as far as the arts are concerned in South Australia. Uh, Joseph Mitchell, uh, Oz Asia Festival Artistic Director. Good luck. Break a leak. <laughs> Hope the figures go up. Keep on going up for you. Uh, Jennifer Lafer, who's uh, the Arts uh, Director of or Arts, uh, Arts South Australia Director, aren't you? Yeah, that's your role. And uh, Tricia uh, Walton from uh, Clark Clue. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you. All the best. All right, stick around after the break. Uh, Dr Derek.